And we are live. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Good Friday. Man, it's nice that it's Friday, isn't it? Normally on Friday, we don't have a ton of great stories because, you know, the week has sort of gone by and people are winding down trying to head out to the weekend. But the thing is, I missed a couple of days this week. And I told you guys yesterday that, uh, you know, that yesterday was a great news day. We had three really great stories and I had a cut a bunch of other really great stories in order to focus on those three. Well, these are at least some of the stories we cut. I I couldn't even put them all in, all the great stories that we have. So, uh, fantastic news day today. Um, Yeah, so what's going on with me in my life while we wait for random people to show up? Hello, Yankee the Rebel slash Ashley. Uh, So you guys know that I, I signed up for this Viome thing. And I'm waiting for my results so I can figure out what I should be eating and what I should be avoiding eating. I think it's a very good service. But, um, you know, I sent in the test on the 25th of April. They haven't yet processed it in the lab, the uh, the sample that I had to send them. So I'm, I'm going nuts waiting for this stupid thing. I'm like, come on, let me know, let me know so I can start sorting my health out and everything. And uh, I actually wrote them, and I was like, hey, I have a YouTube channel. I talk about you guys all the time. You want to expedite my 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 uh, lab thing? And they're like, no, we can't do that. And I, I'm writing this email to them, and Valeria's like laughing at me. They're like, they're not going to do that. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's worth a shot. You know? <laughs> no, it didn't work. It didn't work. Uh, no... Uh, no benefit from having a mildly successful YouTube channel. But uh but yeah, I still recommend it. I think it's a good service. I just, you know, hope hope I can actually talk about it intelligently because I think we all need to take better 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 care of our health. All right, let's see here. Hope you're doing good. Chris says Gamma Goblin Miller. I am doing good. I'm doing very good. I feel great today because so many great news stories and uh, the woman compiling these stories, Yankee the Rebel, is on here. You guys can chat to her. Everybody say hi to Ashley. Uh, let's see your paper plates. Good to see you there. Matt McGee. Uh, yeah, ticket for the show. That's right. You've all got the ticket for the show, and this is a good one. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, hold on. Where is... There we go. There's my beautiful document with all my stuff. All right, now the first story is a little bit of a weird one. I'm not really sure what to make of it, but let's get into it. XBI. Uh, XBI. That's, that's embarrassing. Let's try that again. Ex-FBI director gave $100,000 to a trust fund for Joe Biden's grandchildren. Uh, yeah, so I, I have no idea what to think of this story. Um, I want to immediately condemn this as some kind of scandal, right? Some kind of proof of of corruption or something like that. But I'm not sure that it is. I'm not sure that it is. I'm not sure what to think of this. This is reported in the Daily Mail, and I think it was exclusively reported in the Daily Mail. Um, this is something that they found on the Hunter Biden laptop. Uh, they say, former FBI Director Louis Frey, Freya, I, was, I meant to look at a video of him and I, I failed to do so, uh, gave $100,000 to a pr- private trust for Joe Biden's grandchildren, and spoke with then-president, sorry, then-vice-president 
in 2016 to explore lucrative future work options with Hunter as the middleman. And this is the reason, reason why I think that this is such a um, provocative uh, article, because, it, you know, this seems to be, um, you know, we know about the, the um, Ukraine stuff, we know about the China stuff, but leftists, for some reason, refuse to believe that Hunter Biden was in any way the middleman conducting business between companies and countries and Joe Biden, right? Everybody just thinks, oh, everybody's pretending that they believe that, oh, no, Hunter Biden's stuff was just Hunter Biden's stuff, and Joe Biden's work for the government had nothing to do with it. Uh, well, obviously, that isn't true. Obviously, Hunter Biden was taking bribes on behalf of Joe Biden, right? So that's how the scam works. And you know, I think a lot of politicians have done this over the years because obviously politicians aren't allowed to take bribes from companies or other countries, but their kids can, their adult kids can. So, so uh, you know, you want to bribe Hunter Biden, uh, but or sorry, you want to bribe Joe Biden, but it's illegal to do so. So what do you do? Well, you give Hunter Biden a, a nice lucrative job where he doesn't actually have to do anything. And then Joe Biden's like, okay, yeah, I see what you're doing there. And there's this kind of communication between them and the, and then the entity that's paying the bribe they get some something for it uh and uh and then they you know they keep paying Hunter Biden out so what we have here is is we don't have all the information right it's 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 pretty a limited amount of information but we do know that this former FBI director did give $100,000 to you know, by Joe Biden's grandchildren, which I don't understand. And this must be for something, but they never talk about any kind of job. They only talk about future work and stuff like that. Let's have a look at this article. Former FBI Director Louis Free, or Frey, I wish I knew how to pronounce that, uh, gave $100,000 to a private trust for Joe Biden's grandchildren and met with the then Vice President in 2016 to explore with him some future work options emails reveal. Frey spoke... Uh, also spoke with then-Vice President in 2016 to explore with him some future work options according to the bombshell communications. The email the email suggests Frey was trying to establish future business relationships with, with uh, Biden, and the White House has failed to disclose to the Daily Mail whether Joe Biden discussed private business with Frey while in office. I don't really understand why that would be... Um, why that would be a problem. I mean, I think that if you're going to leave office and some private company is like, okay, you're going to leave office in a couple of months, you're going to need something to do, you want to come work for us. Um, I think it's probably okay to say, yeah, we could maybe work on something together if there's no quid pro quo, right? If there's no like, okay, you got come work for us, but while you're still in office as vice president, you do something for us, right? If there's If there's some kind of quid pro quo going on, then obviously that's a problem. But if, you know, you're just saying, okay, you're going to be, you're going to leave office, maybe work for a company. When you do, I'm not sure, is that, is that illegal? I don't know why it would be. Because you can, you can make book deals and stuff. I mean, presidents put out books and stuff like that. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the problem would be with that. Um, according to the messages obtained by the Daily Mail from Hunter Biden's laptop, the former FBI director was working for three businessmen and officials at the time who were all later convicted of various corruption charges, including a multi-billion dollar ransacking 
uh, of a Malaysian wealth fund. And this is the more concerning bit, is that this guy in particular, this Frey guy, he was, he, he I guess he was a, an attorney or something at that time, or I, I don't know. Somehow he was representing a bunch of criminals or at least people who were in some, some trouble. Uh, but the problem with this is that he's, I think he's, he worked closely with Rudy Giuliani. So the two of them were, I guess, friends or at least business associates, and they worked with some of the same people. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is a good guy. I don't know if this is a bad guy. I don't know what was going on here. It's, it's really hard to tell, but let's keep reading. Frank himself was not implicated in those charges, right? So the people that he was representing, he wasn't actually part of their shenanigans, apparently. The 71-year-old who served as FBI director under Bill Clinton and George Bush ran a consultancy firm with high, high, highly controversial clients and now jailed a now-jailed Malaysian prime minister who stole billions of dollars from his country, a Romanian real estate tycoon convicted of bribery, and a French-Israeli diamond magnate later convicted of bribery in a 145 million property gaffed. graft. Sorry. A 145 million a $145 million property gaffed. Fuck. Sorry. I can't say it. I, property graft. Why is it so hard to say? A $145 million property graft. I don't know why that's so hard to say. Property. It's like a tongue twister. Uh, Frey, a former judge, emailed Joe's son Hunter Biden in 2016, revealing he had spoken with the vice president and proposed that they work together on private ventures. So, I mean, if we scroll down, we can see the actual emails here they printed them all out and it's basically just as they said and again there and so then in these emails you, you i think maybe this one anyway there's you can see that they're talking about this hundred thousand dollars that was given to them and we're we're missing some emails here we're missing some communications so it's unclear why a hundred thousand dollars was given to the biden family the email shows the gift was not made as a registered charity, but instead a private trust. Yeah, so that's one of the things that the email says. Uh, he says, oh, you know, what I sent you I think was illegal, so we have to change it, change the way that I'm giving this to your grandkids so that it's it's all legit. Uh, he writes, as you know, our family foundation made a $100,000 contribution to Halley's Children's Trust last year, Frey wrote in an April 2017 email. My accounts, my accountants now advise that since the grant did not go to a 501c organization, it was not a proper foundation gift. So we've been in touch with the IRS, blah, 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 blah. We're going to make it right. Okay, sorry for the extra burden. Hunter replied, no burden at all. Speak to you soon. Whatever. Uh, a month earlier, Frey had asked for Joe's contact information uh, to discuss profitable matters. And Hunter did. He gave him his phone number and... A, uh, an email to one of Joe Biden's assistants. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This is definitely like, you know, where there's smoke, there may be fire type of thing. I don't know. I don't know how bad this is. I don't know if this is something that needs to be something to be followed up. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, I think the problem with this kind of story is that I can't do any research on it other than what the, you know, it's very frustrating for somebody like me. I can't do much more than what the Daily Mail has already printed there. Um, I can just read the story and think, huh, 
I wonder if there's something here. And that's as far as I can go. I can't look into it any further. There are other people who maybe have access to the laptop. There are other people who maybe have access to other kind of materials or other people who might shed light on what that negotiation was, what that deal was. And so this may emerge into a much bigger story than than this. This is, again, this is just a bit of smoke. We don't know if there's anything that was untoward here. But it looks like it could be something like, uh, you know, a lot of these... A lot of this guy's clients were people who were in, you know, potentially um, dangerous situations in the sense that, like, uh, they were in situations in which they could go to prison or they could be in a lot of trouble uh, with the law or, you know, something like that. And so, you know, Joe Biden at the time was a very powerful person. He's vice president of the United States of America. So if you can get that guy on your side, maybe you can help out your clients in a, in a much bigger way. So obviously it's an important thing to try to get uh, Joe Biden to help you if you know if you could possibly do it. It looked like this guy had an in with Hunter, and to me that kind of shows that Hunter was vulnerable to being targeted uh, in this way. So that you know anybody who wanted to do business with his father, you know they could get to Joe Biden through Hunter. It seemed like Hunter was more than willing to oblige people who were trying to get to Joe Biden, um, you know, while he was president or just after, you know, uh, he left office. Uh, and again, I, I don't know why there was $100,000 given to the grandkids. It seems to me like there would have had to have been something that he got in return. $100,000 is a lot of money. People don't just give $100,000 to people for no reason whatsoever. Um, there must have been something there. I'm curious what that is. Um, is this Frey guy, you know, a sinister bad dude? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know enough about it. It's it's just not something that there's enough, enough information about here yet. Um, but hopefully other people follow up with this and it emerges that we can, you know, we can show some, some more corruption. Because the weird thing about Joe Biden is, and this to me is very weird, like we have really good reporting already on a lot of corrupt dealings that Joe Biden had, Hunter Biden had in China and Ukraine specifically, but it, there's others as well, but those are the main two. And I, I just, it's just completely ignored by the media. It's completely ignored by the FBI. It's completely ignored by Democrat voters. I think most Democrat voters aren't even aware of it. And when they hear about it, they're like, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Well, it isn't a conspiracy theory. This is, this is, well-reported stuff has been reported by the New York Times. It's been reported by, you know, uh, obviously Peter Schweitzer is the main investigator on all this stuff. He's he's uh, collected a lot of the, re you know, a lot of the work that's been done by other reporters. He's done a lot of his own uh, reporting on it. And I mean, it's essentially it's essentially established fact at this point, the corruption of Joe Biden. So the fact that this hasn't resulted in any kind of consequence for joe biden or hunter biden so far it's like i don't know how much hope that i have that this stuff will ever uh will ever um be used appropriately to you know to to uh you know i don't know if there's ever going to be any consequences for joe biden for any of this stuff i don't know if there's ever going to be any consequences for hunter it's just like they get these they get these, like, eternal get-out-of-jail-free cards. It's bizarre. I, I, I honestly don't even understand it. It's, it's, like, it's like there is no American justice system, right? There's an American justice system for 
the people the Democrats want there to be a justice system for, it really is like the justice system has been turned into a political weapon at this point. And it's just not applied to Democrats. If you're a Democrat and you've committed crimes, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You do not get arrested. You do not get tried. You do not get convicted because it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It only works toward Republicans or, you know, petty criminals. You know, maybe murderers or something. But doesn't work for Joe Biden. Doesn't work for Hunter. They're just, they get off scot-free, whatever they do. So, I don't know. This doesn't give me a ton of hope, but it is an interesting story. It, to me, it's, it's tantalizing. I'd like to see it develop into something else. All right. Well, that's it for that story. Let's move on to the next one. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is... <laughs> Now, this is not the most important story I've ever read. It's kind of a rumor, but it's we're compiling the rumors here. So let's have a look. Bill Gates hoped that Jeffrey Epstein would help him win a Nobel Prize. Uh, all right. So let's have a look at this. Uh, now, Jeffrey Epstein was known to to have made a lot of contacts within the scientific community, right? He was trying to... He was trying to entice scientists to be friends with him, to engage with him socially in social events, and perhaps to visit him on his pedo island. And was that so that he could get, you know, put them in compromising positions, so that he would have dirt on them, so that he could, um, so that he could blackmail them? Who knows? But that's that's a that's a major theory. A lot of people have that that Jeffrey Epstein was looking to compromise scientists and other powerful people around the world uh, so that he could leverage them to get stuff that he wanted out of them, right? That, uh, that was his scheme. That's at least that's what's suspected, right? Um, but anyway, uh, Bill Gates is obviously one of the people that was targeted by Jeffrey Epstein in this way, if, if this is in fact what Jeffrey Epstein was doing which we all think he probably was. Um, but now that Bill Gates is, is, and, you know, is, you know, divorcing his wife, some, some, uh, some more revelations are coming out about all this stuff. And again, I should say that I think Bill Gates's PR people are saying that none of this stuff is true. So this may all just be rumor, but let's have a look at this. Bill Gates courted Jeffrey Epstein in the twisted belief the well-connected pedophile could help him win a Nobel Prize, a former staffer claimed, according to a report Tuesday. Um, and despite the fact that his PR people are denying this, this actually would be a kind of a good alibi, or at least a good uh, argument against the motivation of Bill Gates having a friendship with Jeffrey Epstein um, that was intended to provide Bill Gates with underage girls, right? Because that's nat naturally going to be the, the assumption or the suspicion of many people. So people are going to suspect, oh, they had some kind of friendship. That means Bill Gates was sleeping with underage girls. Well, if Bill Gates had this ulterior motive, right, this other motive, well, he really wanted a Nobel Peace Prize, then maybe the underage girl thing, maybe it didn't happen. Who knows? But we do know that Bill Gates did have at least one affair. Uh probably more so he you know it's not it's obviously possible that he was engaged with Jeffrey Epstein in order to meet and in some ways engage with women 
Uh, it's not, you know, not, nothing like that has been claimed. There's no evidence of that. I, I don't think there's been any accusations of that. So, um, you know, it's not something I would, I would accuse him of or, or even really speculate much about, but I think people are going to suspect that naturally. I think anybody who's ever been connected to Jeffrey Epstein, people are going to suspect that of, right? Um, the Microsoft billionaire horrified staff with the meeting which started in 2011 when Epstein was already a convicted pedophile and which reportedly left Gates's wife, Melinda, so disturbed it helped drive the couple to divorce. When his foundation's PR team was first alerted to the friendship, they were told it was a maneuver to try to get him a Nobel Peace Prize, an anonymous foundation employee told the Daily Beast, uh, as well as staying at the multimillionaire's pervert's <laughs> Upper East Side mansion. Gates joined Epstein in a trip to Europe in March 2013, according to uh, some guy who has a name that looks Scandinavian. Doggins Nernslivs, <laughs> Norway's largest business newspaper. Oh no, sorry. That's uh, that's not a person's name, that's a newspaper. Uh, the pair visited the Strasbourg home of Thorbjorn Yar Yarland Yaglarnd Yaglarnd who was Scandinavian names are tough, guys. Uh, who was at the time? Who at the time was the chair of the committee which awards the Peace Prize? The paper noted, saying Gates was being touted as a recipient at the time. I think they mean a potential recipient at the time. Um, they came to my residence with their respective delegations. Yoglin wrote in an email uh, of the visit. The paper said. The ex-staffer at Gates's foundation told the Daily Beast that the staff long feared the boss was risking potential reputation risks, reputational risks for the foundation with his ties to Epstein. Even back then, people knew this guy was not squeaky clean, the person told the outlet, referring to Epstein. But uh, Gates thought that Jeffrey was, would be able to help him, and he knew the right people, or uh, some kind of way to massage things so that he could get the Nobel Peace Prize which is what Bill wants more than anything else in the world, the staffer said. I think he was ultimately disappointed that it didn't work out, the sources insisted to the Daily Beast. It was also not a secret that the billionaire had dalliances, the former staffer told the outlet uh, of affairs that he was married, you know, when he was married to Melinda. I don't think it was a wink-wink permissive thing at all. I think she was humiliated and did not like it, he said of the Gates now estranged wife. Yeah, Funny that that a man's wife uh, doesn't doesn't love the fact that he's cheating on her. <laughs> Shocking. Um, Gates has long denied having a business partnership and a personal friendship with F. Epstein. Uh, Bill Gates regrets ever meeting Epstein and recognizes that it was an error in judgment to do so. His spokesperson told the Post Tuesday, repeating a statement first made in 2019. Well, obviously, obviously, somebody's been convicted of any kind of like pedophilia charge uh if you're like a super high profile well if you're really anyone you should probably avoid any kind of uh, association with that person i mean if you're at all concerned about re your reputation i mean that's <laughs> obviously um yeah uh, the spokesperson also insisted it's absolutely false to say bill gates set the nobel prize as a goal or campaign for it in any way yeah, so like I said, Bill Gates' spokesperson here, 
These PR folks, they're denying this, right? No, Bill Gates has no interest in the Nobel Peace Prize. What are you talking about? It makes so much sense. A lot of the stuff that I've heard Bill Gates say over the years and, you know, that he's he's aiming for this Peace Prize. This is like a goal of his. Uh, This seems obvious to me. If Epstein had a plan or motivation to insert himself into any processes related to any awards or honors on behalf of Gates, neither Gates nor anyone he works with was aware of the intentions, and they would have rejected any offers for assistance, the representative insisted on Tuesday. Spokesperson had made similar denials to the Daily Beast while conceding that a Nobel Prize would certainly be a great honor. (laughs) So these PR spokespeople are just like, no, Bill Gates never had any kind of motivation for that, no intention to get a Nobel Peace Prize. That wasn't why he had any kind of contact with... uh, with Epstein? No, 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 of course not, of course not. He has no interest in the Nobel Peace Prize. Of course, if he did get a Nobel Peace Prize, it would be a great honor. <laughs> come on, come on, man. Um, and that brings us to our next story, which is totally related. Bill Gates's, Bill Gates received marriage advice from Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> I mean, come on, come on. That's funny, guys. That's that's comedy. I don't even have to make a joke about that. That's just funny in itself. From 2011 to 2014, Bill Gates reportedly visited the later later disgraced businessman. Well, I mean, he was, I think, previously disgraced, right? Jeffrey Epstein in his Upper East Side Manhattan home in order to discuss relationship woes with his wife, Melinda, with whom he has now separated. Even though, didn't they say that at least part of the problem with their marriage was that he was friends with Epstein? So it's even like, it's like doubly ironic uh, that it was Epstein who was going to for uh, marriage advice. It's so weird. From 2011 to 2014, Bill Gates reportedly visited the later disgraced businessman uh, in order to scup- okay, with whom he's now separated. According to the report, Gates went to Epstein's place dozens of times during the three-year period in which Epstein gave Gates some pointers on how to deal with what Gates called his toxic relationship with Melinda. During the same meetings, it said that Gates tried to convince Epstein to join the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, ironically enough, due to the foundation's name. That's weird, right? You want a you want a convicted pedophile on your on your charities whatever it is, board or whatever? That's bizarre to me. The Gates team vehemently denies the reports, however. Bill never received or solicited personal advice of any kind from Epstein on marriage or anything else. Bill never complained about Melinda or his marriage to Epstein, said a, a Gates spokesman on the record. I'm sure that this spokesperson's like, like, uh, I mean, it's, it's a bizarre denial because you can't, they can't even possibly know that. But I guess maybe that's what they're supposed to say. Okay. Your characterization of this meeting with Epstein and others about philanthropy is inaccurate, including who participated continued the spokesperson, claiming that Gates was never interested in Epstein joining the foundation. Regardless, the marriage wound up not surviving. Early in May 2021, the Gates pair announced their separation, issuing a joint statement saying, we no longer believe we can grow together as a couple in this next phase of our lives. How robotic. The couple, by separating, have ended a 27-year relationship. And then Epstein died, which... um. Who knows how that happened? Okay, so Bill Gates 
Let's see here. Bill Gates wanted a Nobel Peace Prize, apparently. that's That seems to be one of his motivations for befriending Epstein. He also talked about his marriage with Epstein, soliciting marriage advice from him. Um, it, it, it all seems very creepy. It all seems very weird. And, uh, you know, it's kind of messed up. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't like dragging people's name through the mud if you don't have any, like, solid evidence. But again, this is kind of like the first story that we covered today. Yeah, you know, there is a little smoke here. And so people see the smoke and they go, oh, there must be a fire. And, you know, maybe there is. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Like, I'd like that hard evidence, right? I'd like to be able to see exactly what the relationship between Bill Gates and, and Jeffrey Epstein is. If there was anything really untoward, I think we'd all like to know about it. So, um, but we don't have that, right? We just have this circumstantial evidence that, you know, they were friends and they, they spent some time together even though his spokespeople... I mean, that's one thing that is, that is also suspicious. You'd think that if they spent time together and that there was evidence of it and that there's all these reports about it, that his PR people would be like, yeah, yeah, he spent time with him. And actually, the Nobel Peace Prize thing is actually, a, like I said, a really good excuse for spending time with Epstein. If, if he, that's what his motivation was, I mean, that's fine. No, nobody cares that Bill Gates wants a Nobel Peace Prize. Like, why would you deny that? You'd be like... If you think maybe there's something to hide about Bill Gates, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's that's it. That's why he was friends with him. The Nobel Peace Prize. That's totally it. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. <laughs> I mean, it seems like such a good out. I don't know why they'd, li- they, like, they'd lie about it or try to cover that up. Um, unless they're being honest. I mean, it's, there is a possibility. I know you guys don't like to hear this because a lot of people really hate Bill Gates, but... Look, there is a possibility he really didn't spend that much time with Epstein, and all these rumors are are false, and uh, you know he's totally innocent of any of the accusations. But I I've been proved wrong a lot because I'm very much an optimist, and I like to see the best in people, and I like to assume the best in people, and I often do that, and then it it often turns out that I'm wrong, and they're actually a total creep, and then I'm like, okay, that's embarrassing. Like I tried to. I tried to think the best of this person, and they and they let me down. So I I'm not going to make any kind of a guess anyway, you know, good or bad. Bill Gates is rumored to have spent a lot of time with Epstein and talked to him about a lot of intimate things and trying to use him to get a Nobel Peace Prize, according to some people. Whether it's true or not, I don't know, but it's in it's in the news. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah, I'm starting to realize there's a lot of speculation going on in today's broadcast. It's not something that I had intended, but it turns out to be true. Let's see if we can't find some uh, something a little bit more substantial here in the next story. Uh, all right, so this story is... Oh, yeah, this is terrible. Okay, now we're getting into the kind of silliness, the silly news of the day. But it's silly news that's actually quite serious, but it is silly, and it's weird. All right, let's get into it. PBS station defends drag queen story hour for young children. Uh, this is disturbing, folks. This is very disturbing. Um, all right, let's have a look at this. Yeah, yeah. PBS station defends drag queen story hour for kids ages 3 to 8 performing art that can inspire creative thinking. Uh, oh, man. Okay. 
let's have a look at this just so we can see what we're working with here. We are going to sing and dance it out. So get your singing voices ready. And we're going to start with our hips. The hips on the drag queen go swish, swish, swish. Swish, swish, swish. Swish, swish, swish. The hips on the drag queen go swish, swish, swish. All through the town. The hair on the drag queen goes up, 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 up. The hair on the drag queen goes up, 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 all through the town. All right, that's enough of that. I can't keep watching. Oh, man. So this guy calls himself Little Miss Hot Mess. Little Miss Hot Mess. That's what he calls himself. I God. And this is this is produced in partnership with WNET and the New York City Department of Education, and it aired on PBS. The dude's not even mic'd well. I mean, the production value is absolute crap. I mean, if you're going to make the excuse that, oh, well, we want to have inclusive broadcasting and blah, 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 at, at least provide content that is technically of some level of quality it's not even that it's just there's some dude who's a drag queen who wants to make being a drag queen acceptable to young kids which i don't think it should be and i don't think most of you probably think that it should be either no no no. being a drag queen is not something that we should encourage kids to be if a kid wants to dress up like a drag queen we should probably discourage that because it's flipping weird, all right? I'm sorry. This whole idea that, like, oh, everything needs to be accepted, and everything needs to be encouraged, and everything needs to be, like, we need to, like, be cool with everything. No, we don't. Uh, you know, okay, I've lived in L.A. for a long time. I've met a lot of different kind of people. Um, I had a buddy once who met a girl who was in a, in a um, what was it, a burlesque show. Now, I had never been to a burlesque show. I didn't even know what it freaking was. This is probably like in 2005, I think. So 2005, we went to this burlesque show because he wanted to film it for her, right? She wanted it filmed, and he was trying to get a date with this girl. So he was like, oh, yeah, I'll film it for you. Uh, and uh, he was just sort of a meek guy. I think it was, you know, it was difficult for him to get women. So this was a way for him to, you know, try to maybe get the girl to like him. So he he employed me for free, obviously, because <laughs> we're buddies. He was like, "Hey, can you can you come with me to this event and can we video it?" And so I'll have this on video for her so that she can, I don't know, post it online or I don't know what she wanted she wanted to do with it. But he was like, "Let's video it and and make a nice." Uh, I'll cut it together and I'll make a nice thing for her. I was like, okay. So we go to this burlesque show. And a lot of burlesque shows apparently are drag queens, right? That's like a popular, it's a common element in a burlesque show. And uh, these guys that are doing this drag queen stuff, they're they're not necessarily like, they're not normal people. They're, they're in... I mean, if I was going to assess it, <clears throat> I would say that these people need a lot of attention for some reason, right? There's probably some kind of trauma in childhood, something like that. And uh, I think that's what this boils down to a lot of times. I think a lot of these guys 
have some kind of childhood trauma and they're working it out. I mean, I would, I would, <clears throat> I would imagine that if you were to conduct some kind of a survey on all the drag queens in America, every single one of them, you, you would find that there's probably not a single drag queen that didn't have some kind of trauma that they endured as a child, right? So this whole drag queen phenomena is probably some kind of a result of some kind of like uh, mental illness or some kind of, a, you know, an expression of some kind of a problem that they have, some kind of mental issue that they have. And so this idea that, oh, there are little kids who just naturally want to be drag queens, I don't think that's true, right? I think that that's something that happens to people through some kind of, when they get messed up, you know? So this idea that, okay, well, if you're a messed up person that wants to be a drag queen, let's then try to encourage kids to think that being a drag queen is cool or normal. Uh, well, no, I, I actually think that if, if most drag queens are drag queens because they have some kind of unusual need for attention uh, or they have some kind of mental condition or they have endured some kind of trauma as a kid, then I think everyone should recognize that those drag queens are people who have uh, maybe a sad story. You, you should maybe have sympathy for them. But we should certainly not treat it as normal, right? It's, it's, it's like there's all kinds of mental illness. There's all kinds of issues that people have. You should never tell your kids, like, oh, that's normal when it isn't, right? You should never say, oh, you see that guy over there that's, like, uh, screaming at nobody next to him and, you know, bashing his head in with a, you know, with a plate. That's normal. That's normal behavior. Yeah, that, cr that, well, that looks crazy. I know it looks crazy, but no, no, no. It's totally normal. And in fact, you should like it. You should think that's really cool. I'm sure that guy's written a children's book. We should read the children's book. Crazy Larry on the street corner, bashing his head in with a plate and screaming at the invisible guy next to him. Uh, what, you know, why are we writing children's books about drag queens? Why are we having children's shows about drag queens? It's so stupid. I mean, they did this a little while ago. They had like a drag queen story hour program where like they would go to, I think, kids' houses and birthday parties and stuff and read drag queen children's books to them. And then it turned out that the guy who was running this company ended up being a pedophile, ended up having to go to court for this, or I don't know if he's been convicted yet, but this was a recent story. You know, you're playing with fire, folks. I mean, encouraging kids to think that grown men with mental illness who dress like women, that's like a normal thing. That's not good. That's not a good thing. You should not teach your kids that. But let's have a look here. A PBS station in New York is defending its decision to air a children's program featuring a prancing drag queen. The program features a drag queen named Little Miss Hot Mess promoting his perverted book titled The Hips on the Drag Queen Go Swish, Swish, Swish. Jeez. The book features a drag queen with a blue mustache named Cinderfella. A sane adults see this as grooming. Well, that's right. That's exactly what it is. But PBS is defending the degeneracy as performance art you know you could defend murder as performance art you could i'm just saying i wrote this book because i wanted everybody to get the ex to experience the magic of drag and to get a little practice shaking their hips or shimmying their shoulders to know how we can feel fabulous inside of our own bodies said little miss hot mess 
The perverted performance. I love how they keep calling it perverted in this article. I love the gateway pundit. The perverted performance was part of a Let's Learn TV series produced with WNET and the New York Department of Education geared toward children ages 3 to 8. Jeez. The program strives to incorporate themes that explore diversity and promote inclusivity, which are relevant to education and society. Drag is performance art that can inspire creative thinking and the questioning of stereotypes. Little Miss Hot Mess is the author of the book. The hips on the drag queen go swish, swish, swish. She serves on the global leadership team of Drag Queen Story Hour and has hosted readings at numerous libraries, children's museums, and schools across the country. Jeez. Anyway, all right, but it gets worse, ladies and gentlemen, because we have an even more disgusting story for you today. Uh, let's see here. Am I? Yeah, there we go. Crochet penises. Crochet penises. Uh, but they're not crochet penises for messed up adults. These are crochet penises that are intended for children. I'm not joking. This is a real thing. Okay. Crafter, uh, a crafter, somebody who crafts things, I guess, offers Bitty Bug Soft Packer Crochet Penis Pattern for young trans and non-binary children. Jeez. A transgender crafter is advertising a pattern for a crocheted prosthetic penis that can be worn by young trans and non-binary children. Bethany Amborn describes a knitting a knitting and crocheting website Ravelry the bitty bug soft packer is used is for use by children why are they calling it a packer I don't understand that at all why I don't the word packer seems really weird to me while the little bug soft packer is used by trans and non-binary folks or as an anatomical model the little bug pattern comes in adult sizes SL and XL, while the bitty bug is for children. <laughs> this, is, this is so mad. I hate reporting on this kind of stuff, guys. Obviously. At Amborn Stitchburg's, sorry, Stitchbug Studio site, however, the crafter appears to have composed a disclaimer. Note to our customers, this product is not for infants or very young children. But I think that they've showcased it in diapers at least that's what um somebody wrote on twitter here <laughs> there's been some confusion for those who are not aware of what some trans youths go through or how process can help their experience uh thank you to the parents out there who support your young trans youngsters your <laughs> pardon me i'm allergic to weirdness um Okay, let me read that again. According to Amburn, in October 2019, the crocheter... Hold on, I, I missed this part. Thank you to the parents out there who support your trans youngsters. We are honored to be a small part of their process. Okay. According to Amburn, in October 2019, the crocheter was looking for a pattern to make a soft packer for myself. Ah, stop saying Packer. After being frustrated by the cost and discomfort of silicone options, I tried the free patterns I could find and posted some photos in a large LBGTQ... 
LGBTQ plus sewing group. Ambourne said and continued, immediately I had two parents asking me, could you make one for my little son? And after hearing, and by son, by the way, they mean daughter. Uh, after hearing from another mother who's just crying with her daughter, unsure of what to do to ease her pain of dysphoria, and there being no, I, this is the messed up thing, okay, guys? These parents are sitting there with their kids who probably don't have anything, any kind of gender dysphoria. Like they're, they're probably just kids that are like, oh, lipstick, that looks like fun. Kids don't know what the hell this crap is, right? Like, think about it like this. Kids like using crayons on paper, right? And if they see mom putting on makeup, they're like, oh, that's like a crayon for your face. So, like, little boys are going to think, oh, yeah, I can put on makeup or something, right? And a little girl might want to play baseball or something like that. But that doesn't mean that they have gender dysphoria. You ever heard of a tomboy? Yeah, that's, that's a girl who likes to do boy stuff. doesn't mean she's a lesbian. It doesn't mean she's transgender. All these parents have been, like, brainwashed into thinking all this crap. And now they're, this girl's, like, crying with her little girl because she's like oh you're a little boy and i don't know what to do i mean these people are mental goodness the world's going to crap all right uh let's see here unsure of what to do to ease her pain of dysphoria and there being no options available for children the very first packers i made were for 10 and 6 year old little boys which are actually little girls silicone packers are expensive heavy and can get Hot and sticky and uncomfortable unless worn with a strap. They weigh down clothing and don't stay put. I find all of this very distasteful. They have to be powdered and dr and cared for carefully and even then only last about six months with daily wear. Ah. They come in limited sizes and colors and there are none available for children. What the hell is going on? Why are you running around with a fake penis? You're a woman. Just run around normally, okay? You don't have to put crap in your pants and pretend you're a guy. It's it's crazy. I mean, it's legitimately crazy. It's like those kinfolk. Have you heard of these kinfolk that run around the forest pretending to be wolves and stuff like that? If you're a little kid, please run around the forest thinking that you're a wolf. That's funny. That's fun. That's cute. That's fine. Kids go through those phases. But once you get old enough, once you get like, you know, maybe like 13, 14, something like that, probably even younger than that, but you got to like maybe grow out of that. You're not a wolf. You're not. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, yeah, so it's kind of the same thing in my head. Like, it's like the same kind of thing. Like, these people are. Crazy. All right. So this person's tweeted about this. They've written a knitted penis for extremely small girls to wear in their pants if their parents believe them to be transgender. It's intended for girls so young they demonstrate the product in a diaper, which I mentioned before. The entire purpose of the prosthetic penises uh, is if a trans-identified female has some sort of gen genital anxiety, they can wear it to alleviate that dysphoria. And they write, why would a very small diaper-wearing child have any concerns, anxiety, or even awareness of their genitals? Well, I mean, what do we got here? Somebody. <laughs> Ashley's writing me funny comments, uh, but I'm not going to read them because they're a little bit, you know, 
I'm not reading that. <laughs> but you made me laugh. Let's see. The cro the crocheter. The crocheter. That's how you spell crocheter, huh? The crocheter said after spending over a month designing, testing, and refining the little bug, the group of friends and wonderful experienced crochet testers. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know that much about crocheting. Crochet testers, huh? The test samples were sent out for a road test. <laughs> and I've been wearing them. Oh, oh, and he's been wearing them himself since the start. He being a, a she, I'm guessing. I mean, it must be, right? The resulting design is functional, comfortable, visually excellent, and, and most importantly, feels great. Gamborn wrote, I love the presence of it. I sorry, I love the presence it has when I wear it, and for many folks, this is the most important part of addressing dysphoria. The Blaze called attention to uh, some of the backlash against the bitty bug for children on social media. Hold on. What do they write? Visually excellent. Let's have a look at these. Oh, yeah, look at that. Visually excellent. <laughs> oh, this is so weird. You guys, this is like serious crazy town. All right, well, that's it for the news. I'm done. I'm done with that. I'm done with that. That's that's over. That's over with. Let us read your comments and questions. I'm curious what you guys have to say about all this craziness. Okay, we got a couple of super chats here. Uh, if I can find them. Daniel J. Corka. Hey, nice to see you, Daniel. Uh, I love real women that wear plaid skirts. Is that a fetish or am I just a normal man? P.S. Da-da-da. Da. Dude looks like a lady, just not that dude. <laughs> I guess this is about the uh, the trans child children's show thing. Um, the plaid skirt thing is kind of funny. Yeah, I I think the plaid skirt thing is normal. Um, I mean, I'm I'm a uh, I I was born in 1979. I grew up in the 80s. And in the 90s, it was a pretty popular look. Uh, in the 1990s and the early 2000s, the the sort of short plaid skirt was like a very uh, popular look uh, with, with girls. It's sort of a sexy look. And uh, yeah, I mean, I liked it. I remember dating a couple of girls and they would ask me about fashion stuff sometimes, like what a guy's like, right? Because when you're younger... Girls, you know, they, they kind of know what girls like, but they don't necessarily know what guys like. Um, and, they, and they're they afraid of looking, you know, sleazy or whatever. So uh, they try to, you know, they ask you what, what you think, you know, what you like, what you want to see. And I remember specifically telling a couple of girls I dated that I, I liked the plaid skirt thing. Um, and it was because I saw other girls wearing that and like a, like, like tights and uh, and and the and the plaid skirt combo, and I remember thinking that that was pretty sexy. And I mentioned it to the girls; they bought them, and I thought, "Yeah, they look good." So I don't know. I don't know if it's. I don't think that's a fetish. I just think that's a look, right? It's a look that looks good. The choker was really popular in the '90s as well. That was actually a pretty sexy look as well. It's like from that. What was that movie with the witches? The craft. The craft. They they kind of look like that in the craft. Let's see here. Oh, hey, Ashley sent me some super chats. Frank James writes, 
Bill Gates is asking Epstein for advice on women. Why not? Women are like children. There's... <laughs> That's messed up, dude. Uh, let's see here. J- uh, Daniel J. Corka writes, Trump is still living rent-free in liberals' heads. Trump derangement syndrome is real, and liberals have t- a terminal case of it. Free the kitty. He's sleeping. I, I, I think I fed him. No, no, I didn't. I just washed out this bull. I don't know what happened to him. He's, he's around here somewhere. Um... Yeah, yeah, they're still obsessed with Donald Trump, and it, it's really unhealthy. In fact, uh, the the state prosecutor in New York, or state prosecutor, something like that, I think her name is Letitia James, she's out basically trying to find any kind of dirt she can on Trump to try to get him uh, arrested or you know put in prison or something like that. They're, I mean, these these Democrats are targeting Trump for political persecution. Like straight up. I mean, it's it's not a good situation. Um, I think Trump will be vindicated pretty much in every possible way. I think his business will be vindicated. I think that he, the election, he'll be vindicated in the election. Um, you know, but I'm an optimist. Let's see here. Uh, Daniel J. Corker writes, where are we going and why are we in this handbasket? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, here we go. We got another couple of uh, comments. Abel Garcia writes, "Chris, I'm a former male to female, born a guy, and I'm a man again." Wow, that's interesting. That's that's. So you went. You were trans. This this guy was trans. So he went male to female, and now he's a man again. And I used to be in this degeneracy, but goddamn, this is too much even for me. <laughs> I met a couple. I, I have a really good friend actually who was um, he wasn't trans. I don't think ever or anything like that. But he was a he was actually a gay porn star. This is kind of a weird thing. Yeah, I'm good friends with a gay porn star, which is weird. Um, he's from Scotland. He was like Mister Leather 2003 in Germany. He's a German guy. He lives in Scotland. Great guy. Great guy. Um, and he's trying to leave all that life behind, right? He's he's got a girlfriend, and you know he's trying to live a, a normal, healthy lifestyle. And you know he's kind of an interesting guy because he doesn't seem to be somebody who got into any kind of uh, weird sexual stuff because of any kind of like childhood trauma, or at least that I'm aware of. He certainly endures some childhood trauma. I mean, we've talked about that, but I don't think that was why he got into that stuff. Maybe, maybe it was. I don't know. Um, but he did, you know, he did realize this is not a good lifestyle. This is not a healthy way to live, and, and he's he's out of it. He's changed his ways, and uh, very good man, very good man. Um, so yeah, I mean, everybody who becomes trans or becomes. Uh, gay or something like this i don't necessarily just immediately think oh you're a disgusting degenerate away with you uh you know you know and i have friends who are gay who are still gay and uh i have one friend who i was friends with for a long time i mean we were good friends and he was straight you know he loved girls and he was kind of a comedian kind of guy right he was very very funny guy and he he basically ridiculed everyone he was basically like Racist jokes, gay jokes, I mean, whatever. He didn't care, you know. Uh, but it was all for the comedy, right? It wasn't because he was really racist or he hated gay people or anything. But then he comes out as gay, and, and it was really a weird experience because it's somebody I was very close to. I knew him for a very long time. 
he actually stopped talking to me for about two years. And I didn't know why. I'm like, why is this guy not picking up? I don't understand what's going on. I was like, okay, well, whatever. I didn't talk to him for like two years. Ran into him at a nightclub. Normal straight nightclub. <laughs> uh, I was with a girl and he was with a bunch of people. A bunch of people. So I did, at first I didn't know what was going on. And so we're catching up and, and you know, having a laugh. And, and then uh, I said something. I was like, well, what, what's the deal with this? What's the deal with that? What's going on with you? And he's like, oh, well, I'm doing this and that. It's probably because I'm gay. And I'm like, and I laughed at that. I laughed at it. And this, and then I realized, and I looked at all his friends and I realized, oh, crap. He's gay. <laughs> it's really weird. Uh, but then we kind of reconnected and I'm like, why did you stop being friends with me? He's like, I don't know. I was like, I just kind of disconnected from everybody when I became gay. I was like, that's weird. But now we're very close friends again. So I don't know. I mean, look, people are people that people go through weird stuff. And I don't know. I tend to be somewhat sympathetic of, of people. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I, you know, I don't really like gay stuff. I've talked about it on the show, but I'm not going to just uh, completely throw people away, uh, you know, because they have some kind of sexual preference or sexual thing that, uh, you know, I don't like or I don't agree with or I think it's a little gross. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't think they're, you know, irreparably damaged, horrible human beings to be tossed away. I, I think that, you know, I, I have some sympathy for people, uh, you know, who, who are dealing with that kind of stuff. I'm not, you know, it's not something I like. I don't even really like talking about that stuff, really. But, you know, it's just part of life now. It's part of the world now. A lot of gay people now. So, it's, you know, I, I don't think you're going to go around and never meet anybody gay anymore. It's just not it's just not the way the world is. Um, let's see here. Paper plates write, I wish this was a negative super chat for subjecting me to the trans hip switch nonsense. <laughs> a great show tonight though, man. Have a great weekend. Thanks, paper plates. <laughs> You're right. You guys should be taking money from me. That was that was a torture I forced you to endure. Um, Abel Garcia writes, I'm too poor for these super chats. I spoke with Elijah Schaefer last year and I did an interview with him. Uh, episode 38. I'll chat in the comments for more. Oh, that's quite cool, man. Um, uh, episode 38. That's weird. Uh, well, email me that. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I don't know what that means. Episode 38. Uh, the Reagan-esque conservative at gmail.com. Send, send that to me. I'll watch it. That's very cool. Oh, 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 you, because he did this thing, I think, Elijah did this thing where he was like, and actually this is brought to my attention from a friend of mine, I didn't even watch these, but Elijah did this thing where he had, I think it was gay people come on and debate Christians or something like that, I don't, I don't exactly know what it was, but um, very interesting, yeah, very interesting stuff, Elijah likes getting into that, he likes getting into the gay stuff. That sounds wrong. That's not. <laughs> he's married, right? But he does like to explore that kind of that kind of stuff, people's sexuality, and uh, he he's actually a really good guy about that. You know, he's he's a very um, you know he likes to talk to people in a very sympathetic way about their struggles with uh, their sexuality and stuff like that. He's he's kind of in tune with that stuff. I'm not so I'm not so much in tune with that stuff, and and uh, 
you know, it's weird. I, I There was this big push in the 90s that if you have some kind of aversion to homosexuality, that must be some kind of an indication that you have homosexual tendencies, that you're like, that you, you have like a latent homosexuality. And that's such BS. That is such BS. I think most straight guys have a kind of an aversion to gay stuff. They find it kind of gross and weird. They don't like it. I think that's a natural response, actually. And... That is, that is definitely my response. Like, when I was a kid, when I was about three, I I, I took a swim class. And I remember uh, there was, like, this really pretty little girl, little blonde girl. And I was like, I like that girl. I wanted I want to date her. I didn't even know really what dating was or anything like that. I just wanted to be around this little girl. I was three. And then... Basically, every year in school, there was some little girl I had a crush on. Like, I, I was, uh, I was a, a little boy who really found pretty little girls fascinating. And I, you know, when I was a little kid, I, I wanted to be around them. And I would, like, fight to sit next to the pretty girl in class with other boys and stuff like that. And I don't know how many boys grew up that way, but that was definitely my mindset. And that was not something, you know, people say, oh, kids practice learned behavior no, 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 no. This was not learned behavior. I would get in trouble for this. I would get in trouble for this stuff. The, the, like, I was scolded for liking little girls. But I did. I, I had this, like, fascination with beautiful little girls. Uh, not That sounds really bad. <laughs> As a little boy. <laughs> right. Um, if I was a three-year-old, I liked the three-year-old little girl. If I was a six-year-old, I liked the six-year-old little girl, right? I liked the girls in my class. And um, And actually, when you're a kid... There is actually a major gap between your age ages. If you're six and like a, a little girl's five, um, you wouldn't like her because she's really young, right? It's sort of like your little brothers and sisters. You don't have as much respect for because they don't. They're not as smart as you. They're not as big as you. And uh, kids do tend to stay within their own age group. I find, to some degree, in terms of like interacting with other kids. But um, uh, yeah, so it was always an age appropriate crush. Just to, to put that out there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, even from like a very young age, I really liked little girls and, uh, geez, that sounds horrible. <laughs> this is a, this is like a minefield. <laughs> you guys know what I mean. Uh, and, uh, and there were some little girls who liked little boys. You would notice like they would chase little boys around the, the, uh, the playground and try to kiss them and stuff like that. And, uh, it was always frustrating as a kid because you, you always have a crush on one girl, but then another girl has a crush on you, and you're running away from that girl, and you're you're trying to uh, spend time with this other girl, and and uh, yeah, anyway, anyway, being a kid's weird, uh, but but you, but I think I think it's very natural uh, for little boys to have little crushes on little girls and stuff like that, and uh, and so to me, the whole gay, thing, the whole concept of being gay, when I even found out about that, I was just like, what? <laughs> That it didn't make any sense to me in my head, and I never really have grown out of that. Like that's always been my perspective. It's like I do not understand being gay. I don't understand it. Like to me, it's completely irrational. In fact, in fact, as a kid, I, I mean, as probably like a teenager, I thought I don't even know why girls like guys. Like guys are not even like. There's nothing interesting about guys, but girls are beautiful. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why every girl's not a lesbian. <laughs> Lesbianism, I totally understand. I, I, I could, I could get with that. If I were a woman, yeah, lesbianism, I think, would be where I was, I was headed.
Okay, so trying to read some stuff. Abel Garcia writes, uh, it's episode 38, the interview on his channel. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try to look it up, man. Abel, Abel Garcia, I assume you have the same name on there. Uh, for a quick TLDR, I started medication in uh, 2016, stopped medication a year and a half later, but I couldn't socially become a man until December 2020. It's like weird. Like, I read this thing, uh, oh no, I was listening to NPR many years ago about uh, a girl who always wanted to be a guy, right? And her experience was really flipping weird. So she, for many years, she was this like hardcore bull dyke lesbian, right? She was like this really tough chick. And she said like basically every guy that I would run into was like a little bit scared of me. Right, because I had this attitude, and I was like a real cool chick with like a really like short haircut, and I just scared the crap out of guys. Like they always were like, um, you know, they they were always a little bit scared around me and stuff. And she's like, I love that. I love the power of that. And then she decided that she was going to transition into a guy, and so she started taking all the different testosterone, and and uh, she was. You know, trying to dress like a guy. She was trying to grow facial hair. She had a, she had her like you know breast cut off and everything. And she's whatever surgery she needed, whatever drug she needed. <laughs> and then she got to the point where she was a passing male, right? She was passing as male, and people thought she was a guy. And she was like, I was really proud of that until I realized that basically once I once I was perceived as a guy, other guys had no respect for me at all. They were they stopped being scared of me. Now, why did they stop being scared of this girl? Well, this girl was a very small girl. She was probably like 5'2", five, 5'3", five, something like that, you know, and she was a girl, right? She didn't have massive amount of muscle. And so guys would like shoulder check her and stuff like that when they're walking by her. Like they'd start bullying her, thinking she was just like a weak, pathetic guy. And like that's the thing. Like women think that being a guy is instantly means that you're some kind of like tough, dominant person. That is not true. Most guys are not tough, dominant people. Some guys are, some guys aren't. There's a lot of guys who we call nerds, right? Guys who are weak, guys who, who, who aren't physically strong. Lots, most guys are like that. I mean, at least 50% of guys are below average physical strength, you know, Obviously, that's the way statistics works. <laughs> but even those guys are tougher than girls, right? Girls are naturally weaker than men. And I don't mean tough like having tenacity or, you know, being able to endure the outdoors or something like that. I mean tough, like physically strong. And that's just physically how people are, right? So you get this girl who who imagined that once she became a guy, she would be like this, uh, you know, like the ringleader of a gang or something, right? <laughs> like She'd be this, like, tough, tough dude that everybody respects. She is a tough girl that everybody respects because here's the thing. When you run into a tough girl, you can't punch a girl. So guys have this weird thing where we are a little bit, uh, you know, we're not necessarily intimidated by these women, but we're uncomfortable. You get uncomfortable around girls who act tough because there's not really much you can do back. I mean, I suppose if a girl tried to stab you or shoot you, you could punch her in the face. 
But for the most part, guys can't punch girls. Like we, we can't get in a fight with a girl. So that we lose a lot of what makes us physically dominant. Now, again, in a in a very serious situation, of course you're gonna be able to physically dominate this woman. But normally you just wouldn't want to touch the woman, right? So guys kind of have a hands-off approach to women for the most part, you know, in terms of confrontation. And so if a if a girl is constantly like barking in men's faces and the men aren't doing anything. The girl gets this false sense of of strength. She thinks that she's tougher than all these guys because the guys sort of like like move away from her and they're kind of they seem like they're intimidated. They're not really intimidated. They're just uncomfortable. And so when the guy the girl then transitions to a guy and everybody thinks that she's a guy, she's like a little wimp, right? They can just basically push her over and they think, <laughs> look at that little bitch, you know. But they think it's a guy, so they think it's okay, and. So she transitions. She realizes she's not the tough guy that she wanted to be. She's a little wimpy guy. And I think for the most part, that's what happens, right? If you're a girl that transitions to a guy, you don't end up being the cool guy. You end up being the nerd. Um, it's not the guy that the girls want to be. Um, I think that's it for all the chats, guys. Let's have a look here real quick. Um... Okay, episode 38 is the episode on Elijah's channel. It was released on January 2020, but if YouTube is making it hard to find, oh, but YouTube is making it hard to find, uh, look up Trans Surgery Ruined My Life. I will. I will look at that. Thanks, Abel. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, all right. Yeah, it was a good show today, guys. I mean, there was some a couple of like stories that were not as solid as I would have liked, but uh, very tantalizing stuff, very interesting stuff. Uh, you know, hopefully they do find more dirt on Biden, more dirt on Hunter, so much so that that it becomes irrefutable and it has to be reported by the mainstream media. I don't, I don't think, I think they'll still try to hide it and bury it. But there are certain situations, like with Andrew Cuomo, that you know there are certain lines that you can't cross, and once those lines are crossed, it becomes you know difficult to re regain the support of even your voters, even your supporters. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, we can find more evidence of corruption. Hopefully it becomes so obvious that it's impossible to not to, to deny. And uh, what was the other story that was a little bit vague? Oh, the Bill Gates stuff. Yeah, hopefully the Bill Gates stuff gets clarified. The problem is if Bill Gates is kind of like innocent of any of these, any of the suspicions we might have of him, he'll never, he'll never be exonerated because he's got this connection to, to uh, Epstein. So everybody will just think, oh, yeah, yeah, Bill Gates definitely is a pedophile. I he's never going to wash that off. Like you just can't be friends with somebody like Jeffrey Epstein. It's just it's it's tough, you know, it's tough. But if if he is guilty of something like that, then I I hope that that is revealed. I I don't like this idea that there's all these important people that met up with uh Jeffrey Epstein, went to his island, engaged in this kind of behavior, and we don't know who any of them are. It's not been revealed. They're not arrested. There's no consequences for them. Uh, like to me, this is kind of like, I think it was, uh, I think it was, um, who's, who's that guy that does that show? I don't know. Anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> I heard, I heard a kind of a rumor, this idea that Jeffrey Epstein, you know, was maybe, somehow connected with intelligence agencies. This is this seems to me like a conspiracy theory, but it, I mean, it may be true. It may be true. 
So there's this there's this rumor that that he's connected to intelligence agencies, and he was actually an operative that was used to compromise certain people from around the world, so that the intelligence agencies would have control over those people. Uh, who who was it? Uh, uh, Alex Jones. Alex Jones said this. So take that for what you will. It's an Alex Jones thing. But Alex Jones is basically like he thinks that that Jeffrey Epstein is an operative who is collecting compromising data on these people so that they could then be, you know, exploited and blackmailed and controlled. Uh, and I feel like that that theory is actually supported by the fact that we don't have the names of any of these important people that were involved in this stuff. Like none of them, none of them have been exposed, right? We have like lists of people who flew on his plane but we don't have any evidence of anybody. <laughs> you know, there's got to be pictures. There's got to be. You know, you got Jiz Lane Maxwell or whatever her name is. Uh, she's in. She's in jail now. They have the opportunity to interrogate her to find out evidence on all these people to arrest them all, to to prosecute them. But like, we've got nothing. Like, there's no follow up on that. Okay, if nobody's being arrested, then somebody's collecting this data. You know the scandalous data, and they're using it in some other way. Why? Why are they hoarding this criminal data? Why aren't they just arresting these people and prosecuting them? I don't get it. I don't get it. Unless we were dealing with corrupt intelligence agencies, a corrupt judicial system that's just exploiting these people and blackmailing them and controlling them, and they and they refuse to prosecute them, they refuse to get them have them arrested. So the Alex Jones theory seems right which I think is weird. Um, I'm not saying it's right. I don't know if it's right, but it seems like it's right based on that, that, that fact that none of these important people have been arrested and they're not being prosecuted. All right, well, you know what? I think it's a kind of an early day today. Um, I think we're, we're done kind of early. So, all right, guys. Happy Friday. You have an awesome weekend. Kiss your wife, hug your kids, uh, and just relax a little bit. Maybe go on a hike. Uh, enjoy life. I'm not going to. I'm going to work all weekend. <laughs> but the rest of you should. And right, I look look forward to talking to you guys again on Monday. So without further ado, remember, it's not that our liberal friends are ignorant. It's just they know so much that is not so. And also, I should say, this is the least professional show on YouTube. And sorry that Valeria is not here, but I think she'll be here on Monday. All right. See you guys then. Good night. Toxic masculinity. Okay, cool.